0: This really is, it's a great valley uh, for, you know, supportive businesses and, you know, even people who are down on their luck or have a sick child or husband or whatever. I mean, we really come together as a community. It's pretty cool.
1: As you know by now, Old Spiral Podcast loves our local wineries. This week... Drew and I got to visit one more of our award-winning facilities. Owned by couples Jeff and Barb Ebel and Mike and Coda Yates, Vine 46 has made its way from a garage to winning their latest award as the Idaho Winery of the Year from Wine Press Northwest. From their first award to the impressive amount of gold and platinum medals displayed at their Newberry Square location, Vine 46 is full of potential and, of course, full of great-tasting wine. Join us in our interview with Jeff and Barb Ebel and learn more about this local gem. Okay, we're here at Vine 46 Tasting Room. We've got Jeff and we've got Barb, and we're so excited to talk to you about your winery. Well, we're excited to have you. Good. Drew? Drew's here too? Of course. Always. Um, so we've already been sampling the wine a little bit and it is quite good. Um, I've got the, was it GMT? Yeah. So what is the GMT? The
0: GMT is a, uh, a blend and, uh, probably most of you are familiar with, uh, uh, a GSM, Grenache, Syrah, and Mavedra but we used all of our Syrah uh, for our Rosé that year Uh, we had limited uh, limited supply of grapes that we could get could could get that year so anyway we thought we'd mix it up a little bit and did a GMT which is the Grenache, Mavedra, and Tempranillo so
1: well Syrah or no Syrah it's very good
2: (laughs) (laughs) so and I have already forgotten I apologize what is the wine that I'm sampling you are sampling
0: our 2015 Cabernet Sauvignon. And that's the one that uh, helped uh, get us, well, we've, we've done real well with the wards uh, with that over the last couple of years.
2: And that one sounds familiar to me. You'll have to forgive me because like i mentioned, I'm a total wine novice, but that's kind of more of a pedestrian common wine. It, right? it yes.
0: is the number one red wine in,
2: in the world, I believe is Cabernets, yeah. Is that for any particular reason or just it's good? It's easy to make or what is it about it? that makes You know,
0: it- it's, it's a big, big red wine. I think it's very popular. It's been around forever. Mm. Um, it's, it's well known. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, here in the valley, it is not our biggest seller. Uh, so it's, it's funny you go to different regions around the state or the country or the northwest And you'll find that certain areas, uh, you know, people drink more of a certain type of varietal. Uh, Seems like around here, our Malbec and our Syrah and our Tempranillo has done, you know, better than than our Cab has. Uh, But yet, it's one of our best award-winning wines. So, it's interesting.
2: (laughs) That is funny. So, we're here at Vine 46. We're in the tasting room, which is a Newberry Square. Um, you know, you've got a lot of other great businesses around you in this relatively new space. How long have you guys been doing this? We started the winery in, uh, 2014
0: Fourteen. and, um, I don't know if you want to go into how this kind of got started. Um, Absolutely. so I, it, it's kind of a long story, so it's a good thing we have a lot of time. Um, <laughs> my current partner we used to make beer together years ago and uh, that was before kids kids were born and and so we made a lot of beer a lot of good beer and uh, as soon as the kids came into the picture we all got busy doing other things and so we kind of parted ways as far as you know making beer and in the meantime Mike Uh, hooked up with some other friends of his that were making wine, and uh, he got into uh, the winemaking. And they were getting uh, their grapes out of the Prosser area, and uh, he was making some really good wine. And probably 10 years later, um, I hooked up with a friend of mine, who our kids played basketball together, and he had a little vineyard uh, over in Clarkston, about 120 plants, uh, as well as Mike did too, up, at the, up in the orchards. So anyway, I started making wine with this friend of mine from Clarkston, and uh, I think we were making some pretty good wine, and, and uh, kind of a roundabout way. Uh, I am a remodeling contractor. And so I get my uh, granite from Granite Concepts, a local shop. And uh, I was in there one day, and I uh, I took a bottle of wine to the owner, and uh, he really liked it. And and so anyway, for, for some silly reason, the wheels started spinning in my head, and it's like, why couldn't we turn this into a little you know garage wine? Just make a little wine, you know, sell a few bottles, and. And, uh, so I approached Chad about that and, uh, he said, yeah, you know, or he thought about it for a while and he said, yeah, let's do this. So we started thinking about how we were going to, uh, uh grow the business or how we wanted to get started. And we realized we wanted to do like five partners. So originally the, the business, the winery started with five partners. And, uh, so right out of the gate, um, we entered our first uh, 2014 wines in uh wine competition down in uh, boise area and uh kind of waiting around for the awards and anyway we ended up taking a double gold best of class for our 2014 cabernet sauvignon right? yeah
1: it's not so bad
0: yeah and it's like holy cow it's like setting the bar pretty high for you know just right out of the gate You know, would we ever be able to do this again? And uh, we've been very fortunate that uh, uh, most of our wines have taken some pretty prestigious awards for us around the Northwest. And So um, back to the the owners. Um, So we started out with five partners. After the first year, one of the partners decided that they wanted out. Uh, just too much too busy for them at that point in their lives and uh, so in 2019 our uh, our other partners decided that uh, it was time for them to to move on and so Mike and I and Barb and Coda are are buying the other partners out so it's just the four of us now Uh, the other the other partners all had younger kids and and got to that point in their life where they were busy raising kids and doing all the you know, the fun things you get to do and oh yeah. We were past all of that and and so uh, we're into the whole grand grandchild mode now.
1: Absolutely. So well that's a good time to do it for sure. Yeah. So we are in, like Drew said, Newberry Square, but you have another project going on just behind us, correctly? We do. Correct. Correct. Right.
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, so, uh, another kind of a, a long story, but uh, Barb and I had been looking for a building downtown Lewiston for years, just, you know, cause we thought it'd be cool to have a building and do another little business or whatever. And oh, so, for sure. probably at least once a month, we would make mm-hmm. a little trip around downtown <laughs> Lewiston and and just, you know, dream a little bit. And one morning we came came around the corner and saw this uh, building that had a for sale sign on it. And it was the old, uh, it was Gibbs, I believe Gibbs Lock and Key, um, who was the past owner, the recent past owner. But before that, it was actually the service garage for McMonagle Chevrolet that was across the street. And uh, so anyway, we came around the corner, saw this for sale sign. I instantly called Mike and said, hey, this building's for sale he came down and looked at it either that evening or the next day and with three within three days he closed on the building (laughs) so it was just screaming winery so anyway we've been working on this uh, since 2014. Uh, the first couple of years was mostly you know demolition just gutting all the garbage that was in there and and uh, the last five years has been putting it together and well, we all sure. have day jobs yeah
1: when you got another job and you're trying to sell wine and make wine and coordinate all that stuff of course it's going to be a slow process yes it has been yeah, definitely we, we, a
2: labor of love we kind of nosed around over there and it looks pretty cool so far obviously it's not done but eventually are you looking to move this space over there or are you going to maintain both yes. both spaces yeah.
3: So the tasting room will move over there the tasting room probably will be the last thing to move we'll move everything else over first and then because we don't want to stop any sales before that so then this will be the last thing to move over i'm sure
0: so all of our processing is still out at granite concepts in a in a separate shop that they have so that's where we're storing it and, and it's quite a process to uh it's, it involves the ttb which is the federal government and then the state governments and then of course the county and the city so this all has to be coordinated you get a very narrow window of opportunity to move and and so that's where we're at right now with the process
2: hmm. so, so in, in storing that stuff there does it complicate things further since it's at another business? Does the does the government care about that, or does it really matter? So no, much? as long as you
0: you know you have to declare all of that, you have to jump through all those hoops uh, essentially when you first start the business, and so you know we're all permitted and everything to be there, and that used to be our tasting area, and then we had to uh, we had to go through the whole process with the state, especially to move into Newberry Square and. Everything has to be inspected, new licenses, and so nothing's easy. No, why would it be easy? Yeah,
2: (laughs) nothing worth doing is easy. There you go.
0: (laughs) There you go.
1: Where does the name Vine 46 come from? Yeah,
0: that is a great question, and probably one of the, the most commonly asked questions. Um, obviously, Vine, you all know what Vine means. But uh, the 46 is the 46 parallel It oh, okay. runs yeah. through this area, and uh, it, the kind of the common denominator for us. It runs through the vineyards we sourced from in the Mattawa area, oh, perfect. and then also it runs through parts of Italy and France. So it's kind of a cool uh, common denominator,
2: I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. that is a really cool connection. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've heard many times that we have a really great area for grape growing, but I didn't know it ran through the same parallel.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, you mentioned before awards. You recently have won a new award, which uh, was what? Could you tell us about that? Well, yeah. So this was uh, quite a surprise for us. Um,
0: We found the news out in January and had to keep it kind of under wraps. We couldn't talk about it. And, uh, as I said, my little video on Facebook is the hardest secret I've ever had to keep in my life. But, uh, so, um, a big promoter of, uh, wine competitions in the Northwest is, uh, is wine press Northwest, a magazine out of the Tri-Cities area. And we were chosen to be the 2021 Idaho winery of the year. And uh, so it was quite, quite that's a such an honor. Yeah, it was a very much an honor and quite a surprise. And uh, like I said, that I, I mentioned that double gold that we started with in 2014. It's like, God, will we ever be able to do that again? <laughs> and now all of a sudden, your your uh, 2021 Winery of the Year in Idaho. And Gosh,
1: that's gotta feel like, so good. Yeah, like my,
3: we're pinching ourselves. Yeah. it's like, is this real? Is this really us?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Well, your picture's in the magazine. Yeah, I yeah. It's been a
0: yeah. pretty crazy journey. Uh, one, like I said, starting out, we never expected, uh, you know, there was just going to be a little garage wine. And, and there's so much to it that you don't realize. Uh, we've had cruise ships come in town, and we've had kind of, kind of contracts with them that we do special tastings and pairings. You know, at eight thirty in the oh, morning. Oh, that's
1: nice. And, oh, oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kind
0: nice. of funny. The the <laughs> so
1: we had which eight? one goes best with scrambled eggs? <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, you have post trips and yeah post post and pre. So anyway, they come into town the night before they go on the trip, and which is a Sunday. So those were the pre-trip, mm-hmm. and those were our, was that Sunday or was it Tuesday? I'm sorry.
3: I,
1: Well, too much wine, obviously.
3: <laughs> yeah. I
0: can't remember, <laughs> Now honestly. I don't remember if it was a Sunday and a Tuesday, well, but anyway. You was get get people 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 it was a Sunday and a Tuesday. It was a Sunday and a Tuesday. So um, anyway, one group would come in at like 8.30 in the morning, and funny enough, those were the ones that were getting ready for their trip. They uh-huh. were just starting the journey. And those were our biggest wine drinkers. Uh, the <laughs> ones who came in at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday who had just finished the trip, it's like they already spent all their money and they were tired and and uh, kind of ready to go home. <laughs> but uh, it was a lot of fun. So anyway, those and uh, the fundraisers, you know, that we're involved with and... Uh, uh, there's just so many other aspects that we never, never envisioned, you know, and it's, it's taken on a life of its own. So it's been a pretty cool
2: journey though.
1: Absolutely.
2: So I'm sure that they've probably had to stop those cruise ships at this point, right? Are, are they going to start doing that again soon? And then are you going to be a part of that?
3: They actually start again, May 8th and they are coming to Newbury square. They'll have a stop at Newbury square. I cannot tell you how often they're coming mm-hmm. um, at this point. We need, we're still kind of waiting to see. Um, and there's multiple cruise ships coming. So I do think this tourist season is going to be extremely busy.
2: Yeah, hopefully so. Everybody's kind of been cooped up and probably wanted to travel. So now hopefully they're able to do that. But yeah, like Brian was saying, it's crazy how much exposure those little crews lines could give a place like lewiston or a small business uh i was flying back from jfk once and i was sitting next to this little old couple and i said oh where are you guys headed and they said oh we're headed to this place called lewiston idaho (laughs) i said no kidding well that's where i'm headed (laughs) and they said yeah we're gonna go do this cruise ship thing and go to portland i was like wow that's crazy what a small world but yeah i mean they just happened to see Hell's Canyon in a magazine in like the '60s or '70s, and they thought, when we retire, that'll be a cool place to check out. And so they decided to come here. That's that's exactly the people that are they're coming to the valley. They uh, a lot of
0: them have already been on the Caribbean cruises and and whatnot, and and uh, so they want to go explore you know new places. I think the the whole Lewis Clark uh, expedition experience is part of their reason for coming here and uh it's interesting because they're they're kind of expensive cruises and it's it's pretty amazing that they they are booked as well as they are i mean they're it's a big big thing and this next round is going to be kind of fun because in the past in fact until covid hit um It was very limited, you know, the amount of ships coming to town or what they could or couldn't do. The last round, so it would have been 2019, they set up like, I don't know how many wineries, but we were one of them. I think Mm -hmm. maybe three wineries. Mm -hmm. And so these people got to choose, you know, well, I can either go up Hell's Canyon or I can go on wine tasting or blah, blah, blah. And so, anyway, they had this. itinerary that uh you know that they stuck to and this time around they actually have what they call a hop on hop off and uh and i guess he did last time but not quite so much uh, involved as it is this time so now they'll have uh, actual set times where they drop you off and they circle back like every half hour or hour and you can get on or you can still stay downtown walk around and so it's going to give them more freedom to explore other businesses and have That's a little, such a cool thing
1: to do. It on. is.
0: Yeah. It is. It's
3: going to be good for the downtown merchants for this coming season, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, they need all the help they can get.
3: Absolutely. For sure. For sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully people held on to that stimulus money and they're ready to, <laughs> yeah. ready to spend it here. That was
0: kind of the, the downside. I mean... Downtown Lewiston, we could feel some momentum uh, before COVID hit. I mean, it was it was yeah. starting to turn around. Things were happening. And uh, so it set everyone back. But in looking at what's going on in downtown Lewiston right now, we're very excited. Uh, commercial buildings are selling right and left. And uh, some of the pro- proposed projects uh, before COVID are moving forward. And so... Uh, it's very exciting uh, especially knowing what you know Walla Walla used to look like and what it looks like now and kind of the same thing you know for Lewiston.
1: Yeah, well we've got such a good community too. I'm glad to see throughout COVID there was still a lot of community support which was nice. Very and, much and so. And hopefully we continue to see that moving forward and I'm sure we will. Yeah.
2: yeah, I we agree. Got to we got to interview the the guys from Elevate LCV um which was a cool little I don't even know what you call it a I, group of group cool of, of uh, support philanthropists support the community they do some great things yeah. in the community Use social
1: media to do it, it was yeah. Neat. yeah
2: we need more altruistic people doing that type of thing which is great to see this really is it's a great valley uh for you know
0: supportive businesses and you know even people who are down on their luck or have a sick child or husband or whatever. I mean, we really come together as a community. It's pretty cool.
1: Yes, it is. It's it's awesome. The, the one I remember first, I think, you know, was the Jackson Baldwin. Yeah. That was the first one I remember where that all happened and was sad, but I just saw the whole community get together and there's a, it's, it's a, just a thing now.
0: That was kind of around your. We talked that my daughter and Mike's daughter went to school with you. Were around the same time, and and uh, Jackson was.
1: He was younger. I he mean, was younger, but, but I mean, I was right around that age. Where I started yeah. to notice things. So it really,
0: it really things. hit home for for all of us. It was a it was a tough tough deal for for everyone. And uh, but it's pretty cool there again to you know, to see how the community came together and it's still, still going. Yeah.
1: So, well, obviously you mentioned that we went to school with your kids, but have you always been from the Valley? Did you born and raised or, and all that, or?
0: I was born and raised here. Uh, Bart moved here in fifth grade. Fifth grade. Mm -hmm. Oh, from where?
3: From Missoula, Montana. All right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a Montana girl. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Do you fly fish?
3: I do not <laughs> fly fish.
1: Drew's yeah. the fly shop. She manager. told you she
2: did <laughs> and this that's why I married
1: her.
3: My dad took us trout fishing.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. But yeah, so and then I moved away after graduation and came back and then Jeff and I got married.
0: We uh uh he was retired by the time we were there, but anyway we had a uh uh, high school math class together, and uh, I sat behind her, and it was it was love at first sight for me, not so much for her.
3: <laughs> but I wore I wore her down, and uh-huh. he was a pest. Were. Uh, <laughs>
0: We're going on celebrating uh, celebrate in 40 years in yeah. oh, Congratulations. August. Yeah,
1: congratulations. Do you. shows what persistence can do. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: right. What's really funny is my mother told me, he drove me crazy, and my mother told me she laughed and said, you're going to end up marrying him. You just wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, mothers. She couldn't um, find anyone else. So. No. <laughs>
3: <So>.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, we, uh, in... 86, uh, so my dad retired probably like in 84, I guess. Uh, thereabouts, and that's who I worked for. And uh, so then I started working for my brother, doing the same, same work, you know, building houses and remodeling. And uh, he got remarried and was moving to Minnesota. And the economy was kind of turning down. I wasn't ready to start my own business. And so we decided to move to Seattle in uh, 86. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got on with a contractor over there and uh, Barb worked for, she managed the limited at that time mm-hmm. and a uh, big uh, retail company. And so anyway, we spent about six years over in the Seattle area, and uh, our kids were born over there. And uh, we quickly realized that's not where we wanted to raise kids. Having you know, grown up in the valley, and you know, you pretty much you know could be outside and didn't have to worry about anything. And yeah, so anyway, we're we're glad we came back, and and uh, it's a great place to live.
1: It really is. We think so. We both moved away and came back, and now i am got a little family started. And awesome. Worked for the city of Clarkston, and yeah, So right in. So, yeah, one one child? Two. two. I just had another girl, so I got two girls in, in January, so I've got one that's going to be three in June and one that's about three months old. So
3: okay. Very nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm.
1: It's fun. I definitely brew a lot less beer now,
0: that's
3: for sure. I can relate
1: to you on that. It
3: changes
0: priorities a lot.
1: Whether you like it or not. Exactly. It's worth it, that's for sure. And yeah, and speaking of fun things to do, we just went to the uh, Soton County Fair today, and her older cousins had some animals there, so we went and checked that out, and sweet, ate some corn dogs, and
0: oh, oh you could have gone all day without saying corn dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I love corn dogs.
1: <laughs> hey, do you want to know how you can get the Old Spiral podcast uninterrupted? Check out our new Patreon account. From now on, you can get the same show you know and love without being interrupted by commercials. We would really appreciate the support, and if you would, head to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. Now back to the show.
3: (laughs) We go to the fair just for
1: yeah, (laughs) And And curly fries. Stacks of curly fries. Oh yeah, I don't know how they get them in that nice square. It must be just a little bit of oil
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it's healthy oil though you know oh, that. Yeah, yeah yeah now it's i from need vegetables. vegetables did they have that a good turnout good. at the fair
1: oh man yeah i had to park um all the way down just off of uh second street and we walked up um all the way up to the fairgrounds wow nice no
0: it was good good yeah, was good really for good them turnout.
1: that's like great. you said
0: i think people are ready to get out
2: and, mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, like enjoy some life like brian mentioned i i'm in the fly fly fishing industry and so okay. i constantly see i mean our sales for every category is just doubled from last year to this year because everybody's just ready yeah. ready to get outside yeah. and do something yeah.
0: well it's yeah that's exciting and in on kind of that same note uh we had we we have a lot of uh, people coming in from outside the valley especially from washington because uh, we're a little more, a little more open here than than they are in Washington, and but uh, we had a group last weekend that was here to golf, and they came into the tasting room, but they were camping out at Hell's Gate State Park, and they said that from here to the end of the year, that the park was booked. Oh wow! Yeah, so they got the
3: last two parking. Spots for the whole entire season. Yeah.
1: Holy weekend. cow. Yeah, I think we're going to have a good summer.
0: Yeah. I think so too. Yep.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's going to be great. And I mean, like you said, I think more and more as time goes on, people are going to start to realize it was pretty cool and they're going to want to come check it out, which yeah. is cool, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to an extent. <laughs>
1: yeah, we, yeah, we want to see it grow and flourish and local businesses <laughs> prosper and bring back Main Street, but. We also really like our low housing and the costs <laughs> yes, and all that absolutely. stuff. absolutely. The more infiltration we get, we'll see those housing prices go up, which that's right. to me, as long as building costs go back down,
0: that's oh, all right for me. It's so. crazy right now. Yeah. Absolutely. I just saw one on Facebook the other day. I sent my daughter. It's pretty funny, but it showed a camp trailer uh-huh. and uh, you step out the step of the camp trailer and there was this little tiny landing made out of wood, and uh, the caption was "just built my new deck, cost me eight hundred dollars or something like that." And it was <laughs> that literally was
2: yep. two foot by two foot or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, wanted... it's kind of true right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I wanted to buy um, a sheet of OSB. <laughs> Seventy bucks. It was sixty. Yeah. And, sixty already. Right. And last year. Uh, Roughly this time, it was $11. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's nuts. We were
0: fortunate. We went through several units of OSB over uh, because instead of drywall, we put that on our walls uh, because it's just more durable for us and about the same price as drywall two years ago. Right. And uh, speaking of that, I saw another one on Facebook the other day. It was a uh, pickup. In front of another car had two sheets of OSB in it and the caption was oh yeah look at
2: you flaunting your wealth <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, funny. Man. so how you, you know you talked about like how you sort of started to get into winemaking separately from your buddy that you used to brew beer with but what inspired you to go hey I kind of want to make wine now and then how did you sort of get the stuff together to start doing it
0: um that's a great question. Um, so I think after, you know, that initial, you know, we're making the wine and and uh, one of our first partners, you know, was tasting it and whatnot. Uh, thinking of who would be good partners, he had some ideas, some friends of his. And then, of course, I, I thought about Mike uh and uh, so we just sat down and, and started, like I said, putting numbers together. Uh, for the first two years, about every six months we had a cash injection into the business and we were very fortunate after our first release in 2016 that the winery started paying for itself. So that was almost like, almost like getting a paycheck. Well, I guess in reality it was. It
3: yeah, was. It um, yeah, Not putting money in. Yet. Yeah.
0: So then it was kind of left up to Mike and I uh, to, you know, run the wine into things. And uh, so the, the I guess the part I didn't mention is our daughter married a, a gentleman whose aunt and uncle have a vineyard in the Mattawa area. It's about three hours from here. And. Um, their son runs the vineyard. And so, anyway, uh, we made the connection and we bought a few grapes from them. And it was kind of funny because uh, uh, Mike was still buying grapes from the Prosser area to make wine for personal. And uh, my Cabernet Sauvignon was ready like almost a month before his was going to be ready and he said oh you might want to check those numbers he said there's there's no way they could be you know ready that early so anyway sure enough you know they're perfect grapes and he got his a month later and so that kind of sparked his interest in in that area and so he took a trip over and we checked out the vineyard together and and uh, we've been buying grapes
1: there ever since. Uh, Is that where all your grapes come from right now?
0: Pretty much. We sourced a few uh, Malbec grapes locally last year from a local individual. Uh, right now, they all come from, from Mattawa. All right. So, you know, at some point in time, if there's somebody here in the Valley uh, growing enough grapes and they have a surplus, we would, we would definitely love to buy some local grapes from the, the Lewis Clark ABA. But uh, for now, uh, we're super happy. I mean, we're a very small winery in the big big picture, but they treat us like we're kings. I mean, it's just it's awesome. We oh, feel, that's great. We feel the love when we go over there, so it's pretty cool.
2: That's cool. So I know you you've mentioned talking about uh, winning awards and stuff, but what uh, what sort of competitions do you enter, and then how do you decide like this is the one I want to do or You try to go for like the ones that are more prestigious or how does that work?
0: That's another great question. There's uh, probably the biggest one in the Northwest is Cascadia Wine Competition. And uh, it has been in Hood River in the past, but uh, more recently is uh, conducted in the Tri-Cities. And it is an international competition. It it, uh, takes in Canada. And so it's uh, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and Canada. I believe Montana British Columbia.
3: Montana,
0: right? I don't think that one takes Montana. Mm. Um, it, I don't think so. But um, so that's that's one of the biggest ones. Then there is the Seattle Wine Competition. Um, there is Savor Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all great competitions, but the Cascadia is, is I think, the biggest one. And um, we have we have done well there, uh, not only with awards, but as far as getting the word out that, that that's kind of why we got this winery of the year. Uh, we did, we had like three two double golds. Well it would have been three double golds, uh, but anyway, and then the one double gold took the platinum last year. And so that really uh, that really touched off the, the judges and the editors of Wine Press, and so that's that was their their reason for choosing us. It's just pretty cool.
2: Yeah, that's that is really cool. Absolutely. So what's sort of the dichotomy of award placing? Is platinum like the highest? Um there's actually
0: um so we will re-enter this Temperneal come fall uh in another competition and um so by by winning like if you have like a gold it allows you to go to another competition which is a little more prestigious and if you win that then it allows you to go to the platinum. Oh, and so by I see. winning the platinum, we went to another platinum or another yeah, it was a platinum competition uh, with Temper only and we placed, uh, I can't remember how many were involved with that competition 40 or 50. I think
3: there was 50.
0: And we took we we placed in the top 10 or 11 and we took a gold with it. So anyway, that qualifies us for the one in the fall. And if we win a platinum there, then that would technically give us a double platinum. Oh, I see. And so
2: that's even better than a single platinum. Yeah, I'd say. (laughs) So that double gold that you referenced earlier, you mean you've won one competition and then you won another one, both golds? What it means
3: is if you would get a gold medal and then that would go to the... Of another judging within that same competition, the next and day. They, yes, and then oh, they just dis- they decide okay. that that's best of class. So that's the best of all the cabs that were there.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So it's the so it's blind tasting, and just like Barb said, the the one day, you know, if you're judged a gold, then it goes because ultimately, what at the competitions they're looking for uh the overall best wine at the competition. So you win your gold the first day. And the next day, if you win it again, the judges still agree that that's the best and it's considered a double goal. And then it goes up for the competition for the, the best of class or the competition. And uh, so anyway, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, the the very first one we did for the Idaho Wine Competition, we sat around waiting and, uh, it's like, I was pretty, pretty bummed out cause no word on the awards and you're seeing everybody else get these awards. And, and then we heard we got a gold and, oh, that's cool. And it's like, well, shoot, we entered four or five wines, you know, <laughs> is that all we won? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so anyway, we ended up, I can't remember all the awards. I think we took an award for every wine, mm-hmm. but then found out that that, that cab was a double gold and so it was a lot of butterflies i still get butterflies when we enter competitions waiting for the results and uh i remember the you know the first time first double gold we got i found out about and called barb and i couldn't even finish the sentence i broke down (laughs) crying uh, because it was such a big thing and so emotional and and uh anyway that's kind of what keeps us going you know uh, and it gets the word out that we're we're a legitimate winery and
1: well I'm sure you enjoy making wine and having the winery, but to get some recognition for your hard work, it's gotta feel really good. Absolutely.
2: Okay. Well, and especially on that particular wine I would imagine, because like you said, it's the most popular, so yeah, you've probably got a lot of competition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. Cool. No, it was it was it was a great great surprise and like I said, we we felt we set the bar really high. Are we ever going to be able to do that again? And and uh, we, it's know. a lot of medals on the shelf. <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> yeah, it it, it's it's been truly uh, more than we expected, or more than I expected. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. cool. Well, it's way, it's way, way really more.
1: exciting, and I'm I'm glad to see it, and I'm I'm glad to see more award-winning wines come out of this valley, and especially with grapes grown in the area.
2: No kidding.
0: Yeah. I don't, do you, I, I'm not sure how much you know about the valley, but did you know pre-Prohibition, this was like the number one so grape growing, it was almost like known my, as a Napa Valley. Oh yeah,
1: it was established at the same time Napa Valley was established as a wine country and my grandma actually lives on Schaefer Drive in Clarkston oh sweet yeah in Schaefer's old house be so darn. it has really tall concrete basement uh-huh. that's arched and and yeah Jacob Schaefer used to live there All be oh, that's awesome we got know. to learn
2: we got to learn a little bit about that history when we had Coco and Carl Umaker on right yeah, yeah. they discussed some of that with us so if you haven't listened to that episode go check that out Obviously, you're a fan of wine, probably, if you're listening to this one. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's pretty uh, It's pretty interesting, the history of the valley, and it is such a great,
1: uh, great well, growing area. There's so much history, too. But, yeah, with grapes, I mean, the people came over here, and they're like, oh, this is like France and Italy. I yeah. bet grapes could grow, and sure enough. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They did really well. It was a shame they they had to stop it all but it's right it's very cool and you mentioned carl and coco they've done a big part of of bringing that history back to life here in the valley and uh they too have set the bar high and i think we all oh, yeah. kind of look up to them and and don't want to let them down
1: well <laughs> you've got someone with a degree in viticulture and someone with a degree yeah. in soils <laughs> that's a powerhouse right?
0: yes they are <laughs> they're
2: uh, they're yeah. loaded on science uh-huh but. So speaking of grapes, how do you determine what wines you're going to produce? Is it a same set of wines every time, or does it just depend on availability of what's what's going to be harvested?
0: That's uh, we we it's kind of all of the above. Uh, kind of depends on on what our inventory is looking like, um, what the consumer is looking for. You know. Um, So if we have a lot of inventory of one particular varietal, we'll we'll not do that, you know, two years in a row. Um, That's kind of the hard part, you know, because everything we do is two years from now. So, you know, it's kind of speculation a little bit. Uh, White wines and rosés, you turn around, you know, you can turn those around in 10 months or a year. Uh, So it's not so much on that, but... uh, so the reds but you know we typically uh our temper neo this first release that we had uh, that we make temper neo every year but we typically use it for blending and and topping purposes because it's uh it's a very soft wine it doesn't have real strong characteristics and so uh, that's also why we kind of decided to do it as a standalone varietal and and we're excited about it but uh Uh, So, yeah, that'll always be uh, on our forefront, hopefully. Uh, Malbec, Syrah, the Cabernet, um, you know, and then depending, you know, with the Petit Verdot and the Sangiovese, you know, just kind of depends on what we have. But um, typically our vineyard, they have, oh, I'd have to count now. 14 to 16 different varietals Uh, we try to stay you know more with the mainstream but they have some outside the box too that we might experiment a little bit in the future
2: so very cool yeah
1: how much wine do you make at a time i mean i well i guess better question is how much wine can you make at a time like how big is your system
0: well we're right now we're basically uh we're probably maxed out. Uh, we definitely, I think, have intentions of growing. We could easily double <clears throat> or a little bit more, but uh, we're at about 750 cases a
2: year. Oh, okay. Which That's not bad.
0: It's not bad. It's like I said, we're still a, a boutique winery or a garage wine, you know, technically a boutique winery. So really pretty small when you start comparing us to Carl and Coco, or some of the other bigger wineries here in the Valley, but um, at this point that's that's about all we can keep up with until the day jobs go away. And
1: Well, you keep winning awards, you're not going to have a choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I, I keep telling people, as well as all the wineries, you create a monster and now you have to feed it. <laughs> and uh, so that's definitely where we're at. Uh, it's full time. Barb works down here full time, just doing paperwork and permits and and running the tasting room and and uh, it, it has gotten to that point where it's taken more time. That I think that's part of the reason the other partners also decided that it was time to get out. Um, you know, just they didn't just have the time to put into it and yeah and uh, so. And we've come too far to, to
2: shut her down now, so it's mm-hmm. like full steam ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned, obviously, we're here. You can buy wine here, but you mentioned the cruise ships. Um, is there other places where you can go locally, like you go to any grocery chains or anything like that and, and get Vine 46? We're a little limited uh, here in the Valley uh, ourselves.
0: Uh, you can find us at Smokes and Suds up in the orchards, uh, Prime Land or CHS, CHS Prime Land, Land on Snake River Avenue. Uh, Groundworks Brewing uh, carries a, almost all of our wine, and uh, they do a real, real good job of it. Uh, we are fortunate to be in the—I don't know what they call them, but it's like they're. Albertsons on steroids down in the Boise area they're very cool stores and so we're down there in Whole Foods
3: not in Whole Foods right now we're in both the big Albertsons the two co-ops and right now that's all we can handle pretty much right as soon as our buildings done and we have more flexibility we might be in more places in the Boise area but right now, we're good here.
0: In the bigger wineries, you know, they uh, they have um, distributors that they work with. So you have to be at a certain capacity. You have to have enough wine to get into that because, sure. um, you know, you have to have a lot of volume. Because you give a certain percentage away to the distributors and, and with the discount to the wholesaler and whatnot. But... Uh, you know down the road you know if we ever want to get that big that's something we could explore but as it is we're we self-distribute so when Albertsons calls for an order you know it's like you know it could be a case or three cases and so you know you got a little trip to Boise to make and which the last one I made I went down and back in a day and (laughs) I think I left at four o'clock in the morning and and
2: uh anyway got back that evening and it was actually a lot of fun
1: oh yeah absolutely
0: so
2: now you can listen to your new favorite podcast on those that's days. right <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly that's
3: well, gonna it's gonna be good
1: yeah, it's great to see that you guys are growing and expanding and all the potential that's that's here in the business that's really nice to see
0: well we appreciate it yeah. said it's way more than we ever expected and and uh you know we just kind of take it day by day because you don't know you don't know what the next day is going to have in store for you and and, uh, especially now so
1: well thanks for agreeing to be on our show and i am out of wine and need a refill so i think i think it's about time to get some more wine
0: sounds like a good time thanks you guys thank you very much for for having us
1: This episode of the show is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting the show. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, head over to patreon.com slash podcast. That's going to do it for this week, but the shows are not over. Get caught up on the backlog of episodes if you haven't already. And thanks for listening.